The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? Well, happy Halloween. And this is our final episode in our spooky season. And oh my goodness, have we saved a belter for you. Um, Firstly, thank you to everybody who reached out to be part of this season and to those of you who we didn't quite make the dates work, I will be in touch soon and we'll get a conversation and we'll get something in the diary. And a huge thank you to all of our guests who have come on and talked to us about their love of horror, all the different performance styles and different art styles that we've discussed over the last few weeks. It has been an absolute joy. As I say, our final guest is coming back to the podcast. This is the second time that we get to speak to the absolutely brilliant, the one and only, the legend that is, Kate Dickey. Louise and I and Kate got to be in person in the studio chatting and it was an absolute joy. This is the most wonderful episode. We cover so much that I can't even go into it right now. Um, But what I should say to you all is, since it is Halloween, um, Kate's latest film, Matriarch, is on Disney Plus right now. And uh, why don't you watch it? Obviously, after you've listened to us, uh, for your Halloween viewing. Um, We all know I won't be watching it. I'm sure all you horror fans out there will love it. So it is Matriarch and it is available on Disney Plus in the UK and Hulu in the US. You can follow us on all social media. Twitter at Persistent Nasty. Instagram at Persistent and Nasty. Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can also follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Please remember to like, download, subscribe, review the episodes. It really makes a huge difference. And the incredible guests that we have had the opportunity to speak to deserve to be heard by as many people as possible. For today's episode, oh, Kate mentions a ginger beer and lime and it feels absolutely apt. Something a little bit spicy, a little bit fiery. Um, So I would say, yeah, go for something like that. Or, you know, hot chocolate, coffee. Or you can always just have a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Right. Right. Here we are. Here we are. are. In person. In person, I know. It's exciting. In person and in in the studio. (coughs) I know, for the first First time time. in like... Well, we've done it once in the studio. The very first podcast was in the studio. (gasps) And then then was a pandemic. And it's all been like on Zooms and stuff. Louise and I did do one, just the two of us, at the start of the summer. (laughs) 
but we were both so angry because it was um, it was <laughs> oh, just what after was happening in the political world. Well, it was what? just after Roe v. Wade in oh, the US. Oh yeah. God, you barely be able to breathe. Never mind yeah. speak. So we were. It was uneditable. It was, it was just chaos. basically. It was, was chaos. It, it was her rap, and I. Yeah so angry and mad at the world and I tried to listen to it and put it out and I went <laughs> listen there's people would appreciate that I think I'm going to put it out in bite sized chunks yeah yeah, yeah. it could be a, like, weekly, a weekly drop <laughs> a weekly drop a weekly drop of rage it's like either that or it could be like a deep cut that you pay for like do you want to hear just unedited yeah, like, unedited yeah. whatever level tears or whatever oh, yeah I know we really need to sort that out oh you don't <laughs> oh no you don't no oh you should do I don't understand it all at all, but it does involve getting a bit of dosh, doesn't yeah. it, for doing what you're doing, at least covering costs. We, just, we keep talking about that, but we're just... <laughs> we don't have time. Hopeless. Yeah, hopeless. and also, yeah. I, you know, I'm lucky to be even, you know, online because I'm so hapless, so the thought of ever setting anything extra up, I can barely, you know, I get my emails and then I'm like, oh, I forgot to check for like two or three days, and there's just... <laughs> I don't remember about emails, which is hell in the modern world. I mean, I also love it though. Yeah, I do love I that. I take my emails almost as soon as I wake up. Do yeah. you? Uh-huh. Oh God, I'll be lucky if I remember. You know, maybe like four o'clock. I'll be like, oh God, yeah, that <laughs> Your email. Must love you. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, and then there's the requests like, and things to sign, and you know, asking me, needing answers, you know, like urgent. And, and you're like, la la la. la, la. <laughs> and, you, and it's not like it's a it new thing, but for actually. me, my brain, I, messages, it's there, but I, I, it just doesn't. Something that I go, oh, I must check my emails, yeah. and then I, I dread because then when I do, it's you know lots and then I'm trying to work out which ones are that you know which one's just like an Amazon thing or a whatever which one's a job <laughs> yeah which was a job I'm not right now thank you very much back to Amazon <laughs> so yeah I can just barely kind of you know operate online so the thought of you know starting Patreon but it does seem a good idea though I mean we yeah. should we probably should we'll take that it's from just it's also quite difficult for us to we're, I don't know if it's been a typically Scottish thing or just because of the way we are wired, but asking for mm. money is really hard. Oh, it's so hard, mm. it's isn't it? Like, I know. We don't want to. Oh, it's so bit, hard. Yeah. But you know something that's so... That's something we really need to change, and we do need to change for the younger generation. We can't keep having women growing up feeling guilty because we should be paid for a skill or yeah. a talent or our time or, you know, and I think historically women have done so much for nothing, mm. you know, so much. And I don't I don't mean childcare, I just mean general d- d- work, yeah. you know, of doing favours, doing work, doing things, doing, we just get it in us. And uh, also maybe Scottish as well, so it's maybe not necessarily a... A female thing. I think that's just an added layer, an though, added layer, of yeah, finding it hard to like, own your space, say what you want, yeah. not feel bad, not worry that people are going to think you're tricky or difficult just because yeah. you've asked for something. Mm. Oh, it's such a relief to learn that it really is. Boundaries are the most liberating, bloody things in the world. Yeah. And I'm only like a few years in with them, so I'm like a newbie. <laughs> I'm like a baby with them. But I look back and think, oh God, life would have been so much simpler and work as well if I'd just set boundaries and understood that saying no wouldn't mean that I would, wouldn't work again or that people would think I was a, a tricky person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. or And also being a people pleaser anyway mm. in life. 
is another layer. I got all the layers. Um, <laughs> like an onion. But it is really hard and you shouldn't feel bad about asking yeah. for money for, you know, but it is oh God, it's so hard. So listeners, just yeah. in case you haven't caught on, Kate Dickey Hello. saying Giza's money. <laughs> yeah, Giza's <laughs> money. On another rant. <laughs> on another rant. Back for yeah. rant two. Rant two and we're very okay. happy. We're oh, so happy. Wow. Yeah. I know and it's so Welcome nice back. to sit and actually look at your faces <laughs> and not be, I was saying like, you know, Louise has got this amazing studio here. I'm like sitting in the lap of luxury. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's amazing. My uh, studio, and I'm doing the wee thingies with my fingers around the word studio, is, I was saying, a rickety stool, which kind of is a bit wobbly, and I sit in front of a heater with the only blank bit of wall behind me, and on top of two or three cushions that tend to slip (laughs) during the interview. I have slipped off once as well, totally disappeared, and asked them to cut it out, because I was there one minute, and then I was down. And I knocked the coffee over, and I had to have a break. um, Well, folks, we seem to have lost Kate. (laughs) (laughs) So this is amazing. Oh, thanks. It's lovely. lovely. Well, I can't can't take full credit for it. It was set up by my long-suffering significant other, Chris. Suffering is an interesting choice of word. (laughs) I would say no. Uh, Lucky. Lucky. Let's go. Lucky. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. He's done a good job with it. Um, He has. So it's multifunctional. It's great to get persistent nasty happening in it. Um, yeah, properly yes. again, and thank you, Kate, for being here. Oh, it's nice to, it's it's nice so to be here. It's so lovely, and we're doing spooky season, spooky and which season. is like, who else could we get? But oh, Kate Do you know? Because I'm <laughs> now, such a bundle. Of, <laughs> I'm such a bundle of contradictions because I'm in them, but as you know, I can't watch them because I'm like the biggest, biggest scaredy cat in the world. Like really terrified. I'm a bar of music and I, I run so. <laughs> It's really weird. It's like, I was thinking before, I was like, oh, I should really think of, like, my favourite horror film. And I was like, but I don't watch them. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going back to, like, 1985 since the last one I saw. Um, but, you know, I can be in them, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was thinking about when you said, you were telling me this earlier in the year when we saw each other on a shoot, and I was like, Picturing you getting the scripts for the horror movies, you're going, oh, that's scary. I'll not be watching that. (laughs) No, this is the thing. I mean, I have watched a couple that I've been in, but if I wasn't in them, absolutely not. I would never watch The Witch, ever, ever, ever. Not a chance. And it's a belter. Yeah. It's a really good one. Uh, Oh, God, other ones I can't... Oh, I'm in one just now, actually. It's just come out on uh, Disney Disney Plus Plus, and Hulu, part of Halloween, um, called Matriarch. And I play a a, um, a mother, and Jemima Rupert plays Laura, and Jemima Rupert's brilliant. Oh, she's an amazing actress and so lovely. And she plays Laura, this really tr- sort of troubled woman who ends up going home to try and reconnect with her estranged mum. However, her mum doesn't appear to have aged None of the villagers seem to have aged. Something's just not right. Our mum's been really nice, which, you know, they've got a really tricky past. And then, like, black goo starts oozing from orifices and (laughs) skin and things. So things are afoot. It's like a folk folk horror, a rural kind of... 
horror and uh, yeah she's like a monster in a twin set basically <laughs> my character Celia because she yeah she's she's got a persona of being one thing but as the film goes on you start to you know see layers and some of it's actually really black humour mm-hmm. you know some of the things that I, I try to do in the film you're they are you know as a lot of things are that are horrifying you could be laughing one minute and then being like oh, actually this is really fucking horrifying and mm-hmm. how, how dare I laugh so that interested me in the scripts but again yeah. yeah I'd be like oh what no no black goon no I'm not going <laughs> you said, Rural, no <laughs> you said black goon I went oh, pulling yeah. myself right back in my chair like oh, oh but it's okay and it's yeah. a, a, a director <clears throat> called Ben Steiner who this is his first his, his debut feature um, so he was really interesting to work with and we made it in Somerset last year um, during our big lockdown and uh, I spent five weeks on my own holed up in a wee, a wee cottage um, and we had Covid issues, we had to pause one of our actors got shingles oh, so yeah it's hard when things go wrong in yeah. low budget shoots because mm. you don't have that kind of safety net of budgets and things to you know it's really hard to make a film anyway and then when you have things like you know covid yeah pauses and stuff um really tricky but we wrangled this wee film out of it and uh, yeah had a great time on it so it's called matriarch uh, i'm not a I'm not a nice mum. <laughs> the poster for it is great. Yeah, the poster's great. Because I, yeah. I, I keep going on to Disney Plus to watch Hocus Pocus 2. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. See, that's more, that's me. That's um, yeah. yeah, that's... Yeah, you're not You're not big on the horror either, are you, pal? No. <laughs> She's like, who's putting the call out, like, right, we need scary things, women and scary things and horror and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm washing like, my hair that yeah, week. I, I mean, I love that you're doing it. But I do love that because it's, I think, for years been such a kind of male-dominated field. Yeah. So I do love the amount of women who are actually, oh, like, yeah. re- totally. And totally obsessed and love it. To- like, totally. that makes me really excited to totally. talk to them. I did manage to go and see Censor, Prano Bailey Bond's film, which is absolutely brilliant and so clever. And it's about a censor... Oh God, I can't give. Uh, I'm so crap, but it, I can't remember what era it set. But it's like it was when they started the censors. I don't know. I'm saying seventies. It's maybe sixties, fifties. I don't know. So, um, but anyway, it's about the censor, and but she has this thing, terrible trauma in her own life as well. She's she's watching these video nasties, eighties maybe. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. sometimes <laughs> in the past. In the past. <laughs> uh, and and she, as she watches these video nasties things start happening to her and, that, and I managed to go to the cinema on my own because I oh. really wanted to see it and uh, Prano Bailey Bonds our director just she just caught my interest really interests me and uh, it's a brilliant film really worth watching and I managed there was at one point though I was up the back row. And uh, there was we were there was a lot of people there. There was a woman beside. There was one point there was a jump scare. And me and us, we both went woo, screamed, <laughs> and then kind of turned to each other and howled with laughing, you know. So, but I did manage kind of grip into my chair um, to watch that. Yeah. So that was that was maybe, and I don't know how. You know that you're not. That's not horror like the really scary stuff like Paranormal Activity. Mm. Have you ever? Do you watch horror? Do I you like? Do you yeah. love it? See, Molly loves it. <laughs> 
I'm a big, big fan. I've seen I've seen <clears throat> The Witch a number of times. I love it. Wow. Um, it's one of my faves. But speaking of women in horror, because I love that kind of stuff, and there's more women... Like uh, Rose Glass is a. I don't know if you guys have heard of her. She wrote and directed Saint Maud. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Oh god, that, that looks terrifying it's though. Quite <laughs> but in a kind of like subtle psychological way, like in the same way, The Witch. You can, there's like not necessarily jump scares or things that have you not seen. Have you not even seen it, Kate? You know, <laughs> the witch. No, I have not. I've seen, seen the witch. I've seen the witch. I'm about but to have to when you're like, the witch. oh, it's quite. You know, you know that film that you were in, Kate. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It wasn't that. It was like you're like it's not that scary. I mean, it's just that subtle psychological. And I was just like, no, no, no. I can't. I can't even do that. Um, but no, that looks great. I had to stop watching Midsummer in the middle of it because it just absolutely freaked me out yeah. the daylight and the and then by the time they were tripping in the field and it was all going so weird I was like I can't this is freaking me out so I, think I had to that stop stuff freaks me out more because I think when it paranormal activity was fun I thought that was fun because fun it, <laughs> have you seen it oh. I, I obviously haven't seen it I only seen the scene where she's getting somehow she's in the bed right and there's CCTV for some reason yeah. in the room <laughs> and an invisible thing drags her you're watching she's laying in bed and suddenly she's dragged from her bed and out the door really no. fast by nothing yes, and I had happened to come into cool. room <laughs> I'd happened to come into room Molly's in the dark watch I was like oh what's this like, paranormal activity I was like oh is it scary sat down that happened I was like ah straight out the room and I wouldn't go back in the living room I'm get, absolutely uh, when horrific. I watched that I'm not going to name his name because he'll kill me I watched it, okay, I went, I I watched it with a male actor friend of mine and he burst into tears I, that that, that, I got angry I was like no <laughs> I get angry when I get fights and I was just like I was in tears as well but from laughing because I got a fright I got a fright and then he was like oh my god and he started crying no. I was like I'm never going to recover from this this is I, like I want you to see it no I'll tell you after when we're not recording. Oh, it's awful! It's awful because then I'll be I'm in bed like waiting for that invisible mm-hmm. being to mm-hmm. drag me out the door, you know. And also like, see, I think the problem is if you've got an overactive imagination, mm-hmm. and I um, I put feelings on inanimate objects, and I always have. So couldn't put the hot water be- bottle out the bed when I was eating, even if I was sweating because I was worried about hurting his feelings and putting it on the floor. Like, honestly, couldn't. Lots of weird things. I see faces and everything. I'm, I, so if you've got that kind of mind anyway, and then you're presented with horrific imagery and, and suggest, even a suggestion, it's, it's yeah. like my brain explodes with fear and worry and anxiety you know I can really relate to that um but I think for me I can I'm quite good at splitting off like the paranormal activity stuff it did scare me and had a great time because my adrenaline was really up but because it was to me it was silly yeah because uh, I don't really believe in a lot of yeah. that stuff but the stuff that like midsummer oh. um, things that deal with trauma and yes. aren't necessarily supernatural like people just being damaged yeah. and doing horrible things to each other that freaks me out a bit yeah 
Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that there for because there's a possibility. Well, yeah. not possible. It is. It happens. Whereas yeah. you being dragged out of the bed by the sense of being probably, probably less likely. The percentage of it happening is pretty zero, really, yeah. isn't it? It is. But um, still, yeah. Still, not like we don't know for sure that sure, it's completely exactly. zero. So, like yeah. you know, that well, that's it. And, and there's that possibility. And if you read into every noise having a meaning, when there's a creak and stuff, it's difficult to dissociate and mm. go. That's mm. not possible when i was like 10 salem's lot came out in telly and obviously i wasn't allowed to watch it because i greet and scream at every <laughs> terrifying thing so i wasn't i was banned from watching it and obviously i was 10 probably too young but we didn't seem to bother with age my mum and dad were really strict about the telly be turned on for a program like songs of praise you know, the football, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And then it was turned off. You never had the telly just on. Yeah. That mm. was, you know, a waste of your brain or whatever. But there was things I watched that I probably shouldn't have, like mm-hmm. with big themes and big things, just even films, even like, I don't know what they were now, but definitely I look back and be like, oh, I don't know if I'd have had Molly watching that as a kid. <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't allowed horror, however... Salem's Lot on, everyone talking about it at school. Every other kid was allowed to watch it apart from me. And um, I happened to go round to visit my best pal Hazel this night. Lo and behold, Salem's Lot was on and she was allowed to watch it. So it was a bloody episode with a boy scratching at the window. Oh, my God. I was so traumatised. And then I had to walk down. Oh, God. It was only 10 minutes walk between me and her, but there was a wee, like, narrow, dark lane and most traumatised. Got home so traumatised and crying and all that and got such a row for having not left the house and not watched it and come home. (laughs) Because I was just, like, keeping them up crying for nights after that. So... Yeah. yeah, I just don't deal well with like I don't like being yeah. frightened. You maybe enjoy the adrenaline and stuff. Yeah, there is something about the adrenaline. And it's weird because I think it could go one of two ways because that happened to me. <laughs> My older cousin showed me Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like, I don't know, seven or eight no. or something. So like an age where he had uh, like <laughs> borderline abuse. Like, I had no business seeing this movie. Like, and uh, and he took it to the next level because the street over, I'm not kidding, they lived in Kirky, Kirkintilloch, and I stayed the night with my cousin, older cousins and they showed me this movie and he said, see that, because there was a house over the road on Elm Street, there was an Elm Street. <laughs> oh, no, stop. And one of the houses on that road, had there'd been a fire, so it was all kind of black and craggy and they were like, see that, That's see if you don't go to bed when I tell you, that's for house and he's going to come and get you. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I didn't really recover from that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> there was a witch, well, there wasn't obviously some poor soul that lived in a house at the bottom of our street in air, <laughs> but it was a witch's house and it was just because it was overgrown they didn't do the garden <laughs> and at Halloween like me and my pal Halloween was like the biggest night of our lives we were like rehearsing for months songs we wrote songs and made well, up dance routines you had to you didn't well, get yeah, it was huge we were, had a boombox yeah. we were in the houses for like 15 minutes and we're just like <laughs> <laughs> just give them a sweetie and we're like dinner anyway we didn't go to the witch's house because we were worried we'd never come yeah. out <laughs> and we never ever saw ever saw the person who lived in there either it was funny so the the um thing just grew in our heads Mm -hmm. yeah that narrative yeah yeah. i mean i can't comment on any of this really right (laughs) because 
everybody knows my fear. Like uh, I'm like that ridiculous ter- or terrified. Like I yeah. watched um, What Lies Beneath with Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford with Liam McRae. We were like in first year at college. Uh, and we watched it and the pair of us were so fucking terrified at the end of it we had to put on The King and I afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so that we could actually like just relax. As a salve. Uh, like and yeah. I've told this story before, but like I went to see Blair Witch Project on <gasps> Halloween at the midnight showing. At the cinema. It's a bold move. I know, for me, it was a yeah. really bold move. I've never seen it, obviously, um, but I've heard about it. <laughs> um, well, the cinema blew cold air. Oh, underneath. Stop. Yeah, uh-huh. So, midnight showing on Halloween, and there's cold air, and I went with my friends, John and Robert, and Robert and I were walking home, and I made him walk the rest of the way home with me because from his house to mine, which was literally five minutes. Yeah. But I had to walk past a big bit that was all trees and stuff trees. and I was like I can't I no, can't you walk can. home alone. you just can't you I just... literally for weeks after it and we're talking I was 17 yeah I'm sleeping with the light on yeah like oh yeah listen I can't even read horror that's how bad I am so I developed a phobia of cats because of a bloody Stephen King book Pet Cemetery. right we had cats growing up and dogs they had no issue then I was 19 moved to Glasgow I had Pet Cemetery. I went through a real phase of Stephen King books. Loved them, loved them all. But Pet Cemetery, I got to a bit. And this cat, I don't know what happened before or after, but this cat came like through, or like in my head, I came through some cemetery wall or gravestone or something, whatever it did. At the book, I threw it across the room. <laughs> Never went near the book again. Never, ever found out what happened in the story. (laughs) And developed a phobia of cats. Oh, my God. So that was 19, so we got Willow, Portia. Sorry, I'm going through our cats. (laughs) So, yeah, the the phobia lasted 25 years until, like, Molly was obviously wanting a cat and I had to... We had to get cats, so. And now are you all right with cats? Now I think they're amazing. Okay. But yeah. How do you get like if you get a script for a horror movie? Do you make it through the end of it? Do you have to, <laughs> do you have to like launching that across the room? Like, See, and that's you funny. do. Is that the one that you're going to do? Yeah. yeah. See, the that's funny the thing is, with scripts, I think is your actor head or your storyteller head is whirring because you're thinking, oh, okay, I can see where this is going and how this would play, but you're thinking of playing it as the character, character and, like, the interesting layers of the character or their fears or their... So then it doesn't become about... It's weird, mm. you know, it's really weird how you can dissociate um, to be... Uh, you know, someone else in something like, I don't know if it was on this I talked about, I've done some podcasts about the spider and the witch. Do you know about that in the grave? No, I don't think so. Okay, so I'm a... Oh, God, all the phobias are coming out, but I'm arachnophobic. (laughs) Severely arachnophobic. Like, I would literally push toddlers and old age patients (laughs) off a cliff to get away from one and have no thought about it. Noted. Good. Really bad. (laughs) I instantly scream and cry. I mean, I would change. I'm just checking in your studio. <laughs> I, I know someone's I would completely change personality. So there's a scene in The Witch where I go in. Sorry, I jump from your poor listeners. Are like, oh my God, what subject oh, are we no, on no, now? No. We're good. Um, in The Witch, there's a, a grave scene where um, our son is is buried in the grave, and I get in the grave and hold him. 
my dead son. And obviously the week before, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, we're digging a hole and I'm worried about the spiders. I worry about the spiders. I kept going on spiders. And, I, you know, I can't have any spider. The spiders all must be moved and all this getting really stressed. So they were like, yeah, no problem. Behind my back, they were like, fuck. Because obviously every time they dug, there was just, just hundreds spiders. of spiders. <sighs> and, you know, so I before, they're like, no, no, we're clearing it out. Nothing to worry about, nothing to worry about. So anyway... We got to the scene and it was a, it was just one of the saddest scenes ever. So deeply in character and we're at the edge of the grave and we do the scene, I get in, hold Caleb, you know, we finish, I get out and Ralph said, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, what? And he's like, are you okay? And I was like, what? He said, the spider. I went, what spider? <laughs> he's like, the fucking spider that crawled across your face during the scene. And I was like, I didn't even feel it, wow. notice it, think about a spider like nothing was in my head because it was all about Caleb and the grief and but that's bizarre to me because if somebody had said that I'd have been like no, no matter how much in character I, I can obviously cover a phobia but that was interesting, like I got yeah. in that grave and I'd been, god they must have been fed up of me but I'd went on and on and on about my worry of the spiders and please and you know you have shovels and have you got things to do, I mean I don't want them killed but just removed and but you know on and on and on and then it came today and they were really worried because every time they were digging that hole they were disappearing, you know they can't yeah. and uh, but they cleared it as much as they could and then and I went and didn't even think about that's that's fascinating. That fascinating? Yeah. yeah, really bizarre. But the entire crew were holding their breath. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Ralph, you know, obviously knew me really well, knew how you know panicked I was and worried I was about it because you want to do the best scene. You don't want to be leaping out the grave screaming about a spider when you have a, you know, a terrible, yeah, <laughs> you know, a dead son there. It's awful. So. Ralph was, you know, he could see it happening in front of him and thinking she must be freaking out and I didn't even know what he's talking about. Oh, I'm so glad he didn't go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that or something? But that is fascinating so fascinating though. Like yeah. yeah, and I thought we've we've had discussions like this before about what your actor brain does in, in certain moments to like get you to a place yeah. or find a certain focus and it is like a totally different you tap into something totally different that you, you tap, don't use don't yeah you do it's mm -hmm. it's really strange and and yeah it's really strange because it's like and I, oh, I always think oh it must sound really wanky it really must but it is like st if you step into someone's physiological being in a way if you can get so deep somehow that you're suddenly looking through their eyes mm. at life. It's it's a really bizarre experience. But then I was thinking about this the other week and I thought, God, it's really, it is a strange life because we're constantly disassociating in order to play other people. Not necessarily always have to be traumatic. I mm. mean, even, you know, but just being other people, reacting to things that you wouldn't react to in a natural way or, or saying things that maybe aren't your words. Or So you've got to be that person enough for that to be natural. So we constantly dissociate from ourselves all the time, which can be a really good thing if it's a positive, healthy way. But if you're not in a good place or that... Mm. You know, the disassociate can be different. It can be difficult to get back to you, or really easy to use that as a crutch to avoid things. I project my own shit here, but definitely, I've when I look at my, 
you know, behaviours in the past or things I do, I go, ah, I can dissociate really well, actually, you mm. know, which is um, sometimes a saviour and sometimes, you know, can create issues, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's funny. But, yeah, God, that spider thing really taught me because I would have been like, bullshit, you can't. Yeah, but also, no I mean, this is not horror, but I just have to applaud my beautiful friend, Anya, who I'm always raving about. But in Emma, to her? Talking, about, <laughs> <laughs> talking about physiological things, in Emma, when she did Emma, the film Emma, in the, in the script, Emma's nosebleed, right? So they're building up to that scene. She got to the scene. They'd, they'd plan, you know, we'll do that, we'll get to that point, we'll cut, we'll cut, run in with the blood, you know, we'll continue on. Got to about, they were like, okay, well, she was like, no, mm, mm, don't stop. Oh my God. Oh my God. And a fucking a drop of blood came down from her nose at the time in the script, and it never happened in the set. There was no nosebleeds or in that. Her nose bled on cue. That's... On cue. In the. T- uh, Wow, and it's I, I, I. You wouldn't believe it, but there's but behind. I've seen the behind the scenes footage. I've seen it happen. Yeah, and you're like, I mean, she's a magical being. Yeah, <laughs> she really has a real mystical yeah. energy so, about her. It's so special, and I mean, and talent and cleverness and connected to the world in a way that a lot of people aren't like and super clever and she's really connected to things so much um but there's another thing you know you realize you know if you can really yeah i mean that's just wow. magical yeah, she's that's, just, that's like that's, that's not ignoring a spider that's <laughs> like i believe you know it's not crying on cue yeah. that's something else you know crying on cue you're you know you can bring yourself to a place in that either through character sadness or you know your own experiences but actually f- nose bleeding yeah is something else yeah. isn't it? that's no, like a whole different <laughs> <Witchcraft>. level <gasps> she's amazing she's extraordinary like what age was she when you guys did the witch 18 she's, 18. she's yeah oh she's gosh, unbelievable she's in that like, she really she's, is she's she's I mean, a you natural, are, but, but she's a natural Understanding and connectivity, and, and a, pre, a, pre, a being present yeah. with our characters, mm. and so, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, an amazing person. Um, but yeah, that was that's a magical that's, thing. That so is as, wild. You know, you think about us humans, and we do get so used to that we live in this earth, and this is our beings, and and I don't mean like spiritual or religion, or anything, but you know what our capabilities mm-hmm. are. And you realise that actually we're equipped. It's a bit like me and the smartphone. I don't realise how brilliant a thing I've been equipped with this body. Yeah. Because you're maybe not stretching or pushing or, or doing things that you you know you don't know are capable of. And it's a bit like me and my smartphone. It's definitely smarter than me. And <laughs> there's a lot of things that I'm suddenly like three years old. I had an iPad for two years trying to read in bed. And eventually I said to my boyfriend after two God, I just wish there was a way that when you turned it to its side, it didn't flip round. And he was like, the screen lock. And I was like, the screen lock? What? He's like, the screen lock. I was like, how long's this been around? He was like, since the beginning. And I spent years, because that's how I sleep. 
developing neck to, problems and, get, and getting really you, you think with Apple being so out you know on top of all the tape they think the screen wouldn't turn so yeah, I love it that's tremendous that's, that's I think we're like tremendous. that with our minds and bodies we just don't know the half of what we're capable of like that nosebleed or mm. like me being yeah. able to not even register as a thing that I'd been obsessed with up until that yeah. you know, moment. You're it's just, amazing. You're just not Kate at that point. You've gone no, into No, you're not. Something. That's what yeah. I mean about the dissociation. Yeah. And it's really good for acting or you'd be an absolute... Oh, you, yeah. You'd be a mess carrying like all the people and all the things. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, actually, because you've done <clears> so many multifaceted, incredible, complex roles in your career. And I read a lot about actors who can't leave that stuff behind. Yeah. Uh, I was actually reading about the guy who was in Midsummer, and he like had to go into therapy or oh, something. Oh God, like that I'm after not surprised. That. And I do wonder about that. Like, I I can't quite get my head around n- not being able to leave stuff behind. Yeah. Because if you if you don't develop that skill, like you say, you'll go a bit. Yeah, it's really hard. Right. I don't know how to. What, what what like? Have you always found it something? That you is a like a skill that you developed earlier on to go okay. This is something part of the job that actually I can't be. You know every p- character that I look at or play or do. You know how do I leave them behind? Is that something? Um, I've got thoughts on it, but what do you think, Elaine? Oh, you go for your thoughts first. Well, because I'm formulating. Mine, mine are kind of simple. It, for me, it was a practical thing. For yep. me, it was a bit like I have to understand that there's a line yeah because otherwise everything starts to bleed together and you're not and I, I felt like if I don't learn to go there's a certain point where you just have to go particularly in film when you're doing things over and over and over again it's yeah. like there's a certain point where you're like I just I'm acting yeah and you've yeah, done the work yeah, and you trust your body yourself. and your mind that uh-huh, you've done the work uh-huh. and you'll it's in there hopefully yeah. in some muscle memory way but there has to be a point I think where you go right especially with heavy stuff yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if it's like that practical, like there's a line between immersion and just... Yeah, it's a really kinda... good skill to have, it really yeah. is. Um, and I'm not saying like I'm like I'm not I'm not experienced enough with like really super heavy roles. I've maybe done one or two in my entire life that where that might have mattered. But like, yeah, I think that's my, my thought on it. Like, yeah, practical approach yeah you have to have. it's a really good... And it's a good bit of advice, I think, actually, for people listening or people start now or that do struggle with that, of finding that, that it's okay to not carry your characters with you for the rest of your life. It's okay yeah. to let them go. And yeah. you're not almost being disloyal or, or bad by... Or even in a, a... Not even a creative level that you just cannot carry some of the dark stuff around too much and also there's another level of nobody knows when they cast you what your triggers are what your Mm -hmm. past is what Mm -hmm. your experiences are so it depends you know you could be doing a comedy but your character happens to react to certain things or does a certain thing that actually really triggers you because it's something you know so it doesn't I don't think even it has to be about the dark stuff, I think it just needs to be about characters in general, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and what's, how do you, what do I you think, well, Do you know, you? the thing for me, and this is really, because I'm thinking about it, so <clears throat> I've been a big fan of The Dench for a long time. Oh, and um, I, I um, oh my God. And I remember after Mrs. Brown came out and I was really obsessed with Mrs. Brown because, you know, um, 
I was a student during the 90s, so we got the Victorians when we were at school for history. Yeah. So it was like, you know, perfect yeah. and all of that. And a big Billy Connolly fan. Yeah. And I remember watching an interview with Billy Connolly and he talked about how watching Judy Dench do something was incredible because they would be having a conversation and it would all be just, it would be Judy and it would be him. And then as soon as they said action, she was like had switched it on and she was Victoria and that was it and then I found another interview with her where she talked about when she was playing Cleopatra and there had been a whole bunch of press she played Cleopatra uh, the National um, with uh, Anthony Hopkins's um, Mark Anthony and um, Peter Hall was directing it and everybody was like, oh, how can Judy Dench be Cleopatra? She's not pretty enough. She's not. She's too small, all of this, blah, blah, blah. And Peter Hall said to her, but you can't play the whole character and the whole play in it in one scene. You just are in each scene as it happens, like we are in life, that to your character, that is just that moment. Yeah. And that's really stuck with wow. me, that piece of you cannot play your whole character, yeah. especially in theatre, yeah. in the opening scene. Yeah. Because mm. you're preempting everything. Yeah, that's the thing. And I really, and I think for me, because of that, that's then gone, well, I'm just in that moment. Yeah. So it's in the moment. Oh, it's that's so cool. like, I mean, this reminds cool. me of doing Couple in a Hole and working with a ma- amazing Paul Higgins, who's just, mm-hmm. he's incredible. But anyway, I was sitting at the side of the forest one day with my headphones on, you know. And your period dress, uh, your period costume was in my very raggedy dress. I know, we're just having a laugh because I was like, I'm always in like basically period costume these days. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and I was, you know, ruminating and, you know, getting into character and my music, you know, my classical music, bam, 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 in my ear and I had a big scene to do or whatever. And Paul's like, what are you doing? And I was like, getting ready for the scene. He's like, just act. And I was like... (laughs) Yeah, 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 but, but, you know, getting ready, preparing. He's like, but just be in the moment. Like, don't, why are you, what are you preparing for? He's like, you say your stuff, I react, you know. And it was so, like, I, I, I was like, it was like a bomb went off. And I was like, wow. And I did try it and it's amazing. But everyone has different techniques yeah. and it scared me a bit. And actually I thought, oh, God, actually... That's amazing, but I don't know if it works for me. And it's not that I'm sitting going, ooh, right now this is a bit where there's a big dramatic moment. I want to make sure there's tears. It's not that. But I think I get, I'm maybe not as relaxed at going, my voice will be the right voice for the character Mm. in that moment. I'm always like, oh, I want to be the right voice. I'm always kind of thinking about things. So, um, but yeah, that present thing, amazing because I've I've had some issues with letting go of characters I really mm-hmm. have and I didn't really think about you know how to leave them behind or really think about the process so I ended up just realizing that I was carrying a lot of sadness in me from these women mm-hmm. that I'd become voices for and I found it really hard to shake them off and I would really and I still do a bit certain can't really grieve them like yeah like cry over them a bit and kind of miss them and miss being their voice and worry that I've been the good voice and did I do enough for you and stuff and then other times like if I'm really honest like I'm really slim 
and I was always slim, but I had to lose a lot of weight for the witch and couple and hole. And I haven't really recovered from it, you know. Um, I haven't really got back to the weight I ever was. When, and I was never, I've always been a wee thing, but I had to get emaciated for the witch and mm. couple and a hole. And it's something that I've really struggled. I struggle to put on weight now. I struggle to keep weight on. Um, and so you've just got to be careful mm. as well of what yeah. you're giving up for your characters and the support you've gotten. You know the witch, and there was it wasn't I wasn't supported, but I've I've ended up you know with you know just struggles from that yeah. because mm. that was supposed to be for a few weeks. I was doing a a film I was going to get emaciated for a couple in a hole and it was going to be three weeks and we started and then Paul Higgins broke his leg so the shoot got postponed and then I got the witch and it happened to fit in between had to be emaciated for that emaciated for that then I did a couple so it ended up being six months and I mean extreme extreme not eating no carbs no dairy no sugar no I mean it was really that's it was full on and it was right for the characters and yeah. it, you know and but it's just you know it's left me you know just with little struggles well, away that, and things you've got i think it's really yeah. important like what you're saying we disassociate but i think it's also because lots of people will probably be feeling how you're feeling kate on when they've had that extended amount of time yeah no matter what i always say like your character's going through something, but it's your your physical body yeah, is the thing that's doing it. Yeah, that's so, the thing. So you just have to be careful yeah. what you're choosing. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm so happy to have been in The Witch and made the right choices and things like that. But it's just you need to think ahead sometimes, yeah. which I wasn't good at. I'll throw myself in and I'll do whatever the character needs but that's such you've an got to thing, also try and, thing. And, and, yeah. and being a woman as well, like there's so much... Oh, this this is triggering so many things in my brain. I'm like, I contemplate this a lot, what we're asked to do yeah. and give up as actors. Yeah. And you touched on something earlier, Kate, when you were saying like you know, when people cast you, no one's asking you what your triggers are in relation to a role. Mm -hmm. Don't know. You're just you're just you expected to, to give all of that of you. And then you're going home um, at night and you know, you're not gonna necessarily be talking about this stuff to people and you yeah. have to try and unpack that, then pack it up and um there's a lot a lot goes on for acting I think that you know oh I feel so so grateful to be doing a job I love to bits yeah. I do it's it feels like one of the biggest privileges in the world it really does to be going into a job that you enjoy and not just endure in order to survive to pay but you know mm. it feels a real luxury and and you don't go through half <laughs> even after 99% of what people do with jobs but in the emotional side and the side that you'll give yourself up for work mm -hmm. is a lot different than a lot of people maybe do for jobs yeah. um, and I think now you know as a middle aged actor like my advice would be is like self care is so important it's so important in order regardless of the work just to navigate life mm. you know um but if you're going to be giving yourself up to parts and roles and physically changing and mentally changing and emotionally going to places that are really deep you need to be in a good place or you you know or you not need to be but it, it it's 
it's yeah. good if you can be in a good place yeah. or or because you you just don't know how it can tip you you know you might think oh, no 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 this is a, yeah this could be a trigger but it's going to be fine because mm-hmm. i'm going to but you yeah. actually don't know you know it's only in hindsight so you just got to it's hard isn't and it? that thing of like if you step on a trigger in the, in the moment for the job or the, the role or whatever and you're like no no it's fine i'll push through and i'll give you everything i can you don't know that maybe later down the road yeah. that'll come back because uh-huh. you didn't deal with it in the and moment. That's, and and, and like... it can come back in a really strange way, a very benign way of someone asking you to do something totally unrelated with acting, but is something that makes you feel that your choices have been taken away, yeah. mm. you know, and that you're trapped in a situation, you know, and then suddenly you have a fight or flight response or something mm. and to uh, the outside world it would look like you know it's a very benign question but you don't know yeah. so so many layers isn't there and um, but what i love these days and i think is amazing is that a lot more productions are becoming a, a so much better at the well-being of cast and I, I feel there's a lot of work for crews though that's mm-hmm. where there's real downfalls yeah. and disparities yeah. on productions you know you think you have it hard as an actor jesus yeah it's so wrong, you know, the disparity of, you know, not all. I've been in amazing productions, but, you know, in productions where crews aren't being treated right and that, you've got to, you know, as actors, we've got to be vigilant for yeah. behaviour yeah. like that and check in with crew members that their experiences are as good as yours because we get the best sides yeah. a lot of the yeah. time as actors, the best side of things. We get protected from things. We get mm-hmm. the rows hidden from us and... Um, so anyway, what what I'm really enjoying now is things like well-being has been talked about. You'll get emails about well-being, you know, of the thing. If you need this, come to, you know, this is your point of contact. There's, um, you know, your intimacy coordinators. Yes. The best oh, things yes. ever to happen to the what industry. <laughs> it's so amazing and it just brings me so much glee for everyone that comes behind us mm-hmm. that we didn't have. And, oh God, you yeah. know, and it, I don't mean that every story is a traumatic horror story just even the reality of turning up at work and getting naked with someone <laughs> and it, it it being like okay well we try that you know with a yeah. director that you maybe don't and suddenly you're having to work out the machinations of a you know a a, a sex scene you know, and I'll try that and I'll hope that works. And, oh, God. Oh, God. Luckily, I'm someone who blushes and it doesn't show. So I could be burning up and I'm as white as a sheet. It's the best skill oh, I've God. ever happened to accidentally have. Um, but now it's oh, it's amazing. It just makes it so easy. And I'm not being asked to be naked now. Thank God. Get to middle age. No one wants to see it. Uh, but, you know, I think back and all they're trying to work things out and working out people's boundaries. And that's just, you know, there's someone there. It is choreographed. Yeah. We mm-hmm. do this, we do that. That looks great. It's just amazing. Um, so I think, um, I think, or I hope for things coming up, like when you are... Even if, you know, you're watching something hard now, there'll be phone lines at the end, there'll be, you know, the voice that says if you've went through any of these, you know, issues. I think people are becoming aware 
that if an actor is being asked to portray things like that as well as an audience to watch it, that there needs to be a care of duty. Yeah, yeah. And not even yeah. actors, a crew member, an a, a LX person could be lighting a scene <clears throat> that triggers them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Secretly, you know, and I, I don't mean that, I, I mean, it's not realistic that a production can then become, you know, they can't and have no business knowing anyone's triggers in that. It's about an awareness of a... a a well-being yeah. of people, an awareness if you're on a, a subject matter that can maybe be tricky or difficult or challenging or confronting, that it's dealt with really sensitively, yeah. including with the crew as well, you know. That's absolutely it. It's just sensitivity totally. and, as you say, a duty of care. A duty yeah. of care, That's, yeah. And creating an environment where people feel safe to flag things or have a conversation and that the people in charge are aware of that and constantly checking in just and, like, and it's right? a positive thing this. then exactly. you're not yeah. made to mm-hmm. feel that you've caused trouble or you've exactly. been a you know you're worried about bringing mm-hmm. something up well I always think you do your best work when you're your most safe and comfortable oh. safe. Yeah, like you totally. do like this whole th- this whole trope and I'm sure what we've said it before like of the you know the um being being tortured artist no, and all that no, it's no, like no. such bullshit because because we're all tortured anyway yeah <laughs> basically aren't we we're all tortured artists to begin yeah. with yeah. we don't need someone torturing us and I know for a fact if a man at a situation at a freezer I literally am like a piece of wood I can't you know, you, I, I can't, f- f- I'm not, I'm too frightened to speak or try things or do something that's maybe a bit off the mark that you know later on, or that would have been an interesting choice, but I just didn't feel brave enough. Because you're not If supported. you're being in a safe yeah. environment where you feel so safe, that's when you don't worry about making mistakes yes. and just dis- either, and it's not necessarily about make mistakes in me, oh, I'm going to look silly. It's about, oh, I'm going to disappoint them or yes. I'm not going to be good enough or, you know, where in, where does good work come from frightening and and pushing people to a point where you can't function? It's mm-hmm. just not. Yeah. It's not. I think that's, that's just... I don't know why we're still stuck with that a little bit. It feels mm. like inherited from an older time. Oh, definitely. Like, I yeah, think it's... I think a lot about... Um, is it Shelley Duvall in The Shining? Who's just done her first acting role in 20 yeah. years. Oh. But she was traumatised. Oh, wow. Oh, of, really? Yeah, because yeah traumatised because, because of the way she was treated. Cubics. Oh, see, I... I oh, right. I didn't and, know this. Yeah. And I think it was one of those things her. that it's not... Kubrick wasn't... It, his approach was to to get the best out of her was to just treat her like shit oh, and abuse her and frighten her. And oh, what God. you're seeing on screen is is, is literally is, her fear. Oh, literally God. her fear. And she didn't recover from that for a really from a no for a really wonder. long time. No wonder. And I think we've kind of there's bits of that that kind of the, kind of the the male auteur like the Kubricks of the world and stuff like that like who have particularly aggressive approaches. And I think for a long time people thought. That that, was, that the was the way to to get like you know yeah. the, like extreme sort of yeah. stuff. It's a shame, isn't it? And there's just you know again that's something that you're really not. I mean, seeing in sets now that kind of bullish behaviour, mm-hmm. someone shouting at people, and you know if there's a shout, everyone's about like whoa, what's <laughs> yeah, what's, what's going what's on? Someone shouting, yeah. for, you know, it's just it's just not. You know, I think we're all kind of 
woke enough to realise that the, the the you know the more safe you feel, the more you can play. Absolutely. And actually, you know, as a, a really great actor said to me recently, you know, ninety nine percent of the stuff you'll do is probably bullshit. But if you're if you've got the space to play, there'll be that one percent nugget that's just beautiful and it's yeah. worth all that. Yeah. If you ain't got the safeness or the yeah. or the space to play, you would never find that wee nugget because you're you know, sticking yeah. to the page or you also wound tightly and as an actor, like I think like that's fine if that's your character, you know, like what if you're doing labbing and all of that and ringing and like all of that stuff. If like that's where you you feel that your character sits. But as an actor, if you feel trapped almost Yeah. You know what on stage, you know that way on stage when you're doing something and you're like I need to move, but I haven't been told that I can move at this point. Yeah. And it's like, but your whole being, because your instinct to, is telling you yeah, to move, yeah. because that's what the character would do. And if you're not being given that freedom on set or on stage, then it Oh, it's, it's so difficult. If you've actually yeah. actually said, I really feel like I shouldn't have said, no, we don't, no. for whatever reason, you can't. That's really difficult, isn't it? Yeah. It's really difficult. Um yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's it's, it's wild as well. Like I was just thinking about we were talking about boundaries earlier and how amazing that is when you suddenly realise them, and then in tandem with that that thing about feeling grateful for for doing the job that you do. I just don't want like this is really I think really important for young actors. It's like yeah, we should all be grateful and appreciate, it, but not to the detriment. Oh of God, your boundaries no, there, we don't. Like, I mean, being grateful for having a job that we love is one thing, one but you thing. don't actually have to be grateful to exist to the person yeah. to. But it's really but you hard. Do think that's pushed though? I think that's pushed on you. Like you should just be grateful you have a job, so you'll do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you know what I mean? I ha- I again, like... it's been this kind of you know um, landscape for yes. a long time, and it doesn't help that you're in a, a career where you're not saying pick me, pick me, pick me. But that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You audition, you hope to be picked, or at least hope you're right for the part. Or so it's this waiting to be picked thing. And it's really hard to then feel you have control or any sort of say in the matter. But honestly, saying no is the most, uh, I don't know what to say, that it's the Liberating. best thing that you can learn. And I don't mean being on set going, no, I won't do that, no. I don't. Saying no to a job mm. is really good. And it's obviously not a thing you can do if you can't afford it. Yeah or you haven't worked for a while, whatever reason, but if you're in a position where even if I've done it, I hadn't worked for a couple of years, I had a really bad spell where I actually had phoned Marianne at one point, my agent said, I think I need to consider doing something else because this is now, you know, going longer than a spell and actually yeah. not feeling like I'm an actor anymore. She said, oh, my God, don't be... I said, no, I do. But anyway, in that point, I got offered a job and they would have given me work for a few months. I would have got money and everything, but that job really wasn't right for me. And I also knew long-term for CV and stuff. It it just wasn't right, and I turned it down. I didn't tell Kenny for a few months (laughs) until I had a job again. And... um, but I turned it down and it was really scary and I remember thinking this is crazy because I'm desperate to work and I'm desperate for a job but at the same time you have to have some kind of belief in yourself or at least also go but I'm not the right voice for that person Mm. so I'm not going to be good at it 
and it's a disservice to the character then just just because it wasn't the right choice for me it was like you know yeah. be a right choice for someone else but I just it's like I can't shoehorn myself into something just be you know that's the way I am I know people are good at being able to play things and I, I, I struggle with that to play things that I don't feel invested in and I think that's important though to say as well though Kate because I think there is that fear for all of us as actors of oh take the job take the job take the job but actually you're doing yourself a disservice and like the project if if you're not the right voice for it as you say and and owning that yeah and I think you know, I, I've never had an idea like this is a career I want and this is what I'm here. I literally feel a lurch from kind of job to job, kind of fingers crossed, hoping <laughs> something else turns up yeah. like we all do. But you do have an idea of the kind of work you'd like to do or the kind of characters you'd like to play or or even what your talent, where your skills are. You know, I know what I'm not good at, you know. I can't flirt, okay? I've talked about this before. I wouldn't, if you told me to flirt and be sexy, I'd literally cry because I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what flirting and being sexy, what does that mean? I, I just, I can't, I would be the worst. I'd be terrible. I'd never work again after that. Because <laughs> I just don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it means yeah. to, you know, I but I know that I can do other things. So I think there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it at play, isn't it? But I think you also have to, I don't know, try and have some control in a job that feels yeah. very mm. out of your control. Yeah, yeah. And, I think um, that's very powerful. And I, I, at that point, thought, I think I'd rather go and do something else, completely different, than do something in my field that would I know that I'd be in that trailer just going, this is so wrong, I'm shit at it, it's not right for me. So many things. Yeah. And uh, that was a louder voice, you know, when you go to, yeah. when you're really hard choosing a script or saying yes or no or whatever, if you have the luxury, you know, a lot of the time you're going, please let it be good because I need to say yes or I want to say yes or yeah. I want to work, you know, please let this be amazing or, or good. Um, but then you're then going to instinct. A script on a page, you don't know how that's going to end up, and especially in film in an editing room, and you don't know what's going to be cut out, what bits are mm-hmm. going to be moved. If the, if the, you know, the, so many things can change that are completely out of your control. Uh, and that can be scary because mm-hmm. you're just having to go on a gut instinct for yeah. what you're reading you know, or if you're not having that, a gut instinct with the director or the writer or or the other actors that are, you know, maybe in the project. or There's so many variables, you know. With theatre, I think, you know, with the writing, I think I feel, I would feel more confident going, this is great writing, I can say, I know that director. It's a bit easier, I feel, to work out you're not going to know if it's the audience are going to like it, but work if it's going to be something that you like the shape yeah. of. Mm. But with filming on TV, it's, it's a lot of, you know, different people, well, you know, different people making the decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've got editing and you've got, you know, you might have done a fantastic scene, but actually for the arc of the story, that scene yeah. is not working and it's not right and it has to be cut. So you have to also be in a place as an actor where you don't 
take those things personally. Mm. Oh, totally. That you just go, this is for the greater of the good, and I can't keep going, oh my God, it's because I'm so shit that they're pretending it didn't work for the... T-. You, you've got to believe some things that you're told yeah. or you will you will work yourself into frenzies mm. and never be able to step in front of a camera or on stage again. Yeah. You Absolutely. Know. Oh, it's totally true. Like with, I'm doing a lot of screenwriting at the moment, and the mentors and the people I've been working with are sort of saying, "You're writing your drafts. Like you're alone at the moment, writing draft after draft, taking note after note. Then there'll be another draft that you have no control over that the actors have, and then the final draft of that film is the editor. Oh, and that is who the editors are the ones who have final say on the yeah, story actually, because wow. they're moving things around, they're taking yeah, bits out that yeah. didn't work. Yeah, they know that. I mean, the beats, the yeah. rhythms, uh, you know, and and what could look absolutely incredible on page just not quite with the you know or whatever scary you know but it is true that is true that thing so it's like the actors as actors you shouldn't worry like no nobody's cutting off yeah i think it's good to hear (laughs) that because obviously you know you're full of insecurities and worries about not being good and not being good enough and not going to work again and it's you know so much competition you're told Mm -hmm. so many things about what you should look like what you should be doing what you should you know and I think you have to cut out all the shit and all the noise and all the like before I set boundaries and before I kind of things whatever another chat but anyway (laughs) I used to feel I was in a thicket and I was stuck in this thicket and there was just all this stuff and I couldn't get a clear view of anything and having boundaries and being able to say no to certain things or being able to just be in your little square and own it a bit better it just gives you a bit more clarity you know about yourself and about what you want and about where you want to go and if you still want to do it and all these things and what you want to do like have you always written yes i have actually but um to varying degrees of confidence yeah um, when i was young uh in in the early part of my career i had a theater company um uh, which I ran with uh, the part my partner at the time. And, wow, um, that's another episode for, for all the drama that I <laughs> yeah, entailed. I think another uh, podcast going through. Um, but after that, I wrote a bunch of plays, and then I, I took a real confidence knock. That was round about the time when I was sort of in my mid to late twenties, and things in the industry weren't very good, and just yep. being like kind yep. of stood on a little bit. Yeah. And, and I went through a period of not being able to finish anything. And yep. I just thought, I'm shite, I can't do this. But I'm coming back around now. Because oh, of boundaries and learning who you are yeah, and trusting your instincts and, also, and growing you know up. What? You can't please everyone. You, you can't please, please yeah. everyone. You're always going to have some people that like what you're doing, some people that don't. So what you got to do is please yourself and feel really good or as good as you can about what the decisions yeah. you're making, what you're doing, how you're, you know, acting aside, just how you walk through this life how gently you walk on the earth how you navigate with people I mean it's a constant learning thing you know you've got to be prepared to look at yourself and really not like stuff that you see and totally. then mm. deal with it and get it to fuck you yeah. know and not go oh well this is just the way I am or this is because uh, you've got to find a way of you know navigating stuff and and because life will eat you up or you'll become someone who'll eat other people up, you know, yeah. and it just... Yeah. 
hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, phrase. hurt people, hurt people. But actually, there's a lot of hurt people that don't hurt, hurt people, people as well, yeah. and are the opposite, and mm-hmm. that just would rather take the heart because they know that they can manage it and yeah. then just become that sponge and stuff and well, I don't know what am I blathering on about no it's now. beautiful I'm like, like I'm engrossed I, I just think it's really beautiful and I think some of the stuff you've said is, it's going to resonate so deeply with a lot of our listeners it's so, resonating deeply with me uh, yeah and um but yeah, Just so that. yeah, we do have to please ourselves because yeah. you'll never, you're right and we'll never, well, you know, sometimes something will happen that the world loves, but there's always someone who won't, you know, and I think... If we spend our time doing things to try and please people, you're just in a gnaw, a ball of anxiety mm-hmm. and worry because mm-hmm. you can't please everyone. So then you please that person, but, oh, God, I haven't pleased that person. I'm tr- you're trying to do that. Who the fuck do you become then, you know? And who are you? And who's where's your core and your root? And, and that's it, not where the good it, stuff happens. No, The it's good not. stuff happens when you're not trying to please anyone. It is, and that's when you could be an actor and protect yourself as well because... You've got a sense of ownership of this body and this mind, and and a sense of where you'll like. There's there's things that I'll push myself to extremes that people will be like, oh my god, I'd never do that. And there's other things now that I'll be like, no, I'm not. I wouldn't yeah. do that. You know, like physical things. So I oh, actually I'm not going to talk about that. But anyway, <laughs> physical things. So <laughs> I'm like, oh god, there's so many things. But anyway, like I would just gung ho, you know, be like run, you know, run across the field and to whatever and action and now I'm like walk, walk it through yeah. yeah, walk through that long grass before yeah. I'm running through long grass I have no idea if there's holes if there's yes. booby traps if there's spiders animals, you, know, you don't know yeah. spiders, <laughs> spiders. <laughs> do you know just that constant thing of someone going do that and action and you're yeah. like you're off and now I'm quite good at being away and going hang on a minute what am I being asked to do and is it safe like physically God, yeah to do that though as oh, well. Oh, I was like, terrible I for that. Anything. So yeah. many injuries along the way. Yeah. I hurt myself, and I think for me as well, doing that like when I was part of an ensemble and we would do workshops and all of that, and I would always be like, just go for it, or like we'd be in a scene, and I'd be like, just do whatever you want, just go for it, do whatever you want to me, I'll, and I'll react too. to it. And now I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? Yeah, and what does like, that say about what well, you know? I don't want to be so deep all the time, but really, how little. Do you think yourself? You're like, do you know what? Hit me if you do yeah. it for real. Yeah. I don't. I don't care what you do to me, or I don't care if I get hurt, or I don't care what happens. It's really sad yeah. because yeah. you would care if the other person was lying on the floor hurt, or you would care if you were. You wouldn't beat the shit out the other actor exactly. for real. So you're like, what was I inviting people to do to me? And then. How can I expect to be respected and people treat me well if I'm literally going, do what you want, I have no boundaries, I'm basically like, whatever you need, I will give you, it's just not... When I think about that as well, I think that the majority of times I've been in situations like that, it's usually been the female actor in the room that's like, yeah, cool, I'll do whatever you need me to do. The guys won't say it. <laughs> yeah, they might do it, but they won't say it. They yeah. won't vocalise it. Whereas the the females have tended to be the ones that go, yeah, yeah, I'm and be co- really, I'll, I'm yeah. up for doing whatever you need me to do. But that's probably because we've had to voice that because of the you know like the oppression and like you know kind of you and know misogyny like, and the patriarchy and stuff like that yeah. of assuming that women are the fairer set, the weaker set, that you won't cope or you yes. won't be able to do this yeah. or. 
Yeah, or or if we don't go, I'll do I'll do anything you want. It might mean we're overlooked. No. We're not exactly, picked yeah. because there's so many of us. Yeah, and there's so little. Or roles. just we're not yeah. male. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're exactly. used to having to almost prove, you know, constantly yeah. like and mm-hmm. show it, show and tell that we're as strong and brave and yeah. crazy and, you know, interesting, isn't it? Really interesting. If you had said to Mariam, that's it, I'm done, what was your other job you were going to do? Well, I struggled a lot. So I think photography, I think I'd have to go and do a I photography mean, yeah, course. Yeah. I mean, I know nothing about it. I take... I Your looked at my Instagram the pit and I was like, I might have the most photos on an Instagram. I've got thirteen point six thousand photos on my Instagram. Have you really? Love it. Oh my god. Some goodness. people I look at they're like two hundred and fifty <laughs> and they've been on the same time as me. Prolific. It was my, it's my therapy. Take photos, suppose. I mean if them. people aren't following you on Instagram, they no, should be. Don't. It's no, just a no, bunch it's of kids and shadows <laughs> and it's oh very, God, it's, it's really very arty. It's, it's very arty. It's hashtags. But it, that was my th- that became a couple of years of therapy for me when I wasn't working. Actually, that's when I started getting really into Instagram, and I was gonna. Oh, I was just like, I need to get out of the house. Um, I need to be moving, and I just started going walks, and then like noticing things, and then I just started taking pictures. And someone I knew was like, "Oh, you should be on Instagram," and I was like, "What's that?" You know, <laughs> and. Uh, Oh, I love it. And it's the only social media that, well, I've been lucky. There's not a lot of bullshit. I don't, I mean, I do get bizarre, weird DMs from sleazy guys and all mm. that, but or, or the abuse or whatever. But on my page, it tends to not be, a, you know, it's not really a lot of work. I post a bit of work, but it's mostly me in shadow and pictures it. of my shoes and stuff. <laughs> but it was just therapy. It got me out in the world and it got me looking and it got me out, you know, eyes mm. looking out and not looking in and... um. So it just became kind of therapy, but yeah, there's a lot of photos. If somebody, well, I should say, if somebody fucked on my page and all that went, I'd be, my life would be. <laughs> You'd be so mad. I've got 137,000 photos on my phone, so I can't. Wow. And then I tried to move them, like, so I managed to move about 30,000 onto some Dropbox or something, and it took me, I was like, I'm going to be here for a year. It, <laughs> yeah. I was. So it's just, and most of them are shit, you know, I should be deleting as I go because I take like 20 pictures of yeah. the one thing and only like, it's just all completely out of hand. I just keep buying a phone with a bigger memory, but I think I've reached <laughs> the capacity of memory now. I'm like, what do I do next? Get yourself a big sexy camera. I need to buy a camera. Or a camera, That's yeah. the next thing. I've been eyeing up old cameras. Um, someone I worked with lately had a camera, uh, an actress, and she was taking photos and portraits and stuff. And I was like, oh, no, nothing about them, though. So that was what I thought I could maybe do. And I actually thought, so maybe I could be a set photographer Ooh. because I understand sets, but I think I would maybe find that too hard. hard. Yeah, I think yeah. it'd maybe have to be something different. Um, I don't know what else. I mean, I'm good at cleaning and stuff. I can do a basic <laughs> job, you know, like a job like cleaning and that. I can do, I can work a graft. Um, landscape gardening, something else I thought about because I grew up, my dad was a gardener, my brother's got a landscape gardening firm and stuff. And um, my holidays were spent like gardening and working mm. out. I like doing that. Being in the garden. If you told me to go and work in a call centre and sell people stuff and phone them, then that no. would no. absolutely no. destroy yeah. Yeah. everything I hate. Phones, phoning people, trying to sell stuff, trying to yeah. mug people off. I yeah. just... 
Yes, I know, of course. I know. No, I could never do it. Yeah. Um, bartending and, and working in kitchens was always my thing. Yeah, I, really I like, like that. kitchens. I like making it's stuff waitressing. Like, yeah, I like being around food and mm. and stuff like that. Mm. I'm, I'm a big foodie, so I, mm. I always fancied that like, if I didn't go into the arts, maybe I'd own a restaurant or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because I like the bustle of it and I like the social aspect. Mm. And yeah, maybe a wee coffee stuff. stall or something. The amount of coffee I drink. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not a good cook, but um, coffee. But yeah, something. It's hard. What would you do? What do, what do will you write? Do you write? Yeah. I do write. Yeah. So you've got other feathers to your bow. I've got like, one. No, I mean <laughs> I do it. I mean I you're do. A actually, you're a photographer. Well, no, I'm not. No, I just no, I think you are. Throw my camera and no, point th- at someone. No, I, like, yeah, I think you are. And not being a photographer. That's the job description, mate. <laughs> Yeah, but there's a difference between like pointing your phone at some and being a photographer in my eyes. So. Well, you're a photographer, Taz. Oh, yeah, yeah. Call exactly. it. Okay, okay, I'm a photographer. Yeah, I like so it. when I put out the social media, it'll be actor <laughs> photographer. <laughs> oh, that would be like that would be like the biggest lie in the world. <laughs> don't believe me them. Decided. It's all lies. I don't know what I do. I mean, I quite like doing podcasts, like the sound of my own voice. I actually really love editing. Yeah, I think you'd be I've in got media a, in I've that got a way. little oh. sense yeah. of just learning to edit the podcasts. Wow. I really, I really love it. Yeah. And oh, that's myself. good. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've got no logic in my brain whatsoever. I really, so I really love I it. I don't think I could do edit, you know, things like that. I don't I seem Otherwise, to Otherwise, I would have liked a clothes shop a few years ago. I used to work in a boutique in the town mm. called Stones. It was on Queen Street for like 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I know the one you mean. Um, and I worked in there from I was 18 and then all through drama school and then on and off. Oh, and I, lo- I did actually love it. Yeah. So I would quite, I would have quite liked Yeah, I did that, but... dishwashing, chambermaiding, waitressing, like all those kind of jobs. Yeah. Oh, I didn't um, really go to uni to do history. Did oh, you? Yeah. Oh wow. Basically, all, well, I didn't get into um, the academy or oh, CS right. as it is now. My first attempt, um, and I had, all my pals were going to uni, and I had a breakdown. Like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> and uh, so then I decided I'd go through clearing, and I got into Strathclyde Uni to oh, do. Wow. Um, History, and then I was like, literally about to start. I went, What the fuck are you doing? What is this? I didn't do it. Oh, I would literally, brave. like, there she was like a, another voice in my head came in and went, Elaine, stop, stop. Yeah, you know, this is not what yeah. you want to do. Like, literally, yeah. I've only ever wanted to do be an actor, like, from the very small child. Yeah, and this other voice came in and went, Don't be an don't idiot. Don't do this, don't. So I went and did like an A level and worked in the shop. Oh, brilliant. And Lived my best life for a year before. Yeah. <laughs> and then did you audition the next year yeah. and get in? Yeah. I end, no, I went to Langside. I auditioned. Yeah. And I was on the waiting list two years. Yeah. And the second time on the waiting list, I was like number two. So I thought <gasps> I was going to get in. Oh, no. That's and devastating. I know, and I didn't. And then I went to Langside and I fucking loved it. Yeah. And as much as probably, you know, going to the academy or RCS as it, as it is now opens more doors, I think I am... Um, happier for where I went because I I wasn't moulded into something that I wasn't yeah but also do yeah. you think do you think it opens more doors I think it does does it God, I I'm think it does point. That. I just feel in the it... in the modern like a lot you know like some people don't train at all now yeah, yeah. but also I just think if you've got a talent it's got you, you know what I mean like yeah yeah, I'm surprised at that, and that's disappointing to hear that. I mean, the RCS, it's a great school, I don't mean that. I mean, it's... 
but I don't think other other courses should be any lesser yeah, because they're not yeah. the RCS or it's not RAD or it's not because I think, I think there's still the a hangover of the snobbery of that, it. Right, that's you know what I mean? definitely yeah. from your old school it's days old, when we yeah, were told yeah. to get, lose the accents and mm-hmm. I was having to pretend to be London based. To get, I wouldn't get a job. Yeah. I couldn't get a job unless I pretended to be London based, and I was sleeping on couches for jobs. Yeah, because I wasn't. Anyway. That went on for quite a long time until I just started going, I'm not doing this, I can't work. Having slept on a couch, it's, yeah. I, I'm tired. <laughs> like, this yeah. isn't like a good sleep. But, you know, that's an o- overhang. I just feel, well, maybe I'm maybe I'm, I'm more ignorant, actually. I just thought it was a bit more open-minded now. You I know, think it's, it's getting a, there. It's, I think it's it really changed should. slightly, but yeah. it's still definitely... But there's a, wee, there's there's a, a, there's a, yeah, there's a hangover still there from that, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and God, yeah. There's, I still know plenty of people... Um, who are lying and saying they're based in London and they're not just yeah. because like sometimes castings are mean, oh, your spotlight I mean, and yeah it still happens yeah. for Scottish stuff yeah. it cast down south and then they'll come up mm-hmm. for the, the smaller parts and we're all realistic that's you know but it doesn't happen to happen every time you yeah. know it's like we're not it's not we're not lesser beings because we've chosen not to live in London you know yeah, and that's what like I ended up with a bit of a bee in my bonnet about that because well, actually, it never really came up with me until I was older because I did theatre in my 30s and I was doing theatre in Scotland. And then when I started doing, like, screen work, that's when you realise, oh, this is an issue that I'm not London-based. I hadn't mm. realised it was an issue and I have to do the pretending that I'm based there thing. Um, and it's exhausting. Yeah. But we're not lesser beings because we've chosen a different yeah. you know and, I, and after a while and then I was like oh, I've got a movie I've got a movie here. but I had like Molly was one and a half when I did my first film and we were piss poor and Kenny's parents lived in Motherwell and grandparents it just didn't suit us I yeah. couldn't afford it and then as I looked at it I was like hang on this isn't right that we should all have to pretend to live in London mm-hmm. to work so I felt quite twisted about it. I thought, no, I will not. I will not yeah. move yeah. south, That's actually, true. just so that I can... It just all seemed crazy to me. Um, and at that point, it was financial. I just was looking at the rent. I mean, I still do. I mm. look at the rent. Oh, I'm gotcha. like, what? Yeah. It it just, you know... I don't know how anyone does it. I, I really I, don't. I, I, I'm so in awe of people that make London work, work especially yeah. if you're not established, <laughs> you know, making really good money and you're starting out... You know, and that's another thing with capitalism and all that. I think back, you know, we were really skint in the late 80s and 90s, going out, you know, with your two quid, you could buy five and you could buy, you know, a, a drink for your pal and a drink for you. They could buy you a drink. and So you knew you'd get a couple of drinks. And it's just impossible being skint. It really yeah, is. I mean, yeah. it's always impossible. But now it's like you can't go anywhere, do you? No. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's, like, death at the moment, it's really. like four quid for a cup of tea some places. Oh, you're like, what for a cup of tea? And then people are like, well, that's a luxury. You're like, well, you know what? Why the fuck should it be a luxury? Why, why should shouldn't everyone, if they want exactly. to have a cup of tea made for them in a cafe, they haven't made themselves. And why the fuck should that be a luxury? It's like, I don't think that is a luxury. I actually think yeah, it's really treats are it's really also, necessary. Yeah. For and it's your also well-being. socially like yeah. you know uh-huh. that interaction. So what we all just want to be in a I mean, so many things yeah. of just having something nice in your life that isn't a necessity. 
just a treat how it makes you feel. Now, I'm not talking about massive things, but even tiny wee things that you just, that didn't have to be had because it's a bill to be paid or this or yeah. that. Oh, it's just lovely. And that's, that's, that's a necessity to be treated. Every mm-hmm. person Absolutely. deserves a treat and to feel nice or treated or something. Like so it's such a terrible yeah. Yeah. shit that's like bullshit that we've got from the top who can afford all the treats mm-hmm. that if you want yeah. something more than the basic shit, you're... Ugh. Well, that's them. It's them that's pushing the narrative. Like, mm. oh, well, they up create your, poverty. Yeah, they literally poverty create poverty. Created. Yeah. It suits. Yeah. 100%. It suits, you know... Yes. But I feel but like we I could know, go on a capitalist rant. Absolutely. I did well not going on. I, I did I really well, actually. No, I did. I mean, I, I'm I always in a wee up bit for it. Because we have to do it. I yeah. do have one more question yes. for you, though. Um, any. Any questions. Because it is spooky season. Yes, and you've obviously I know. Said, we haven't done a lot of no, scary stuff. No, no, we stuff. did loads of scary stuff. But So this is a kind of two-parter. So do you have any kind of, like, spooky things that have happened to you or spiritual things? Oh, God, I do, actually, and it's really it's going to sound <laughs> kind of really thought. weird. So I moved to Glasgow in 1990 and moved to a flat in Berkeley Street uh, with my pal, and we did a flat share with four other people we didn't know. Anyway, none of that matters. I moved to a flat in Glasgow, and I was going through quite a tricky period in my time which again feels by the by, but it does feel kind of relevant, really tough time. And then I started waking up every morning with these small cuts on one thumb and they were literally like a centimetre, maybe half a centimetre long, really deep cuts. And every morning I'd wake up, there was another one like in a line going down my thumb, right? I had lots of things where I was like, oh, I'm... You know, I'm worrying at myself, I'm doing something. It's I've checked all my mattress, I had my pal, we checked for, you know, I lost needles, you know, all these yeah. things. And these really deep but tiny incisions went right all down my thumb. And then I kept thinking there's something I'm doing in my sleep or something, I don't know. And then lying awake one night, I couldn't sleep, and suddenly I felt a cut across my stomach, I right? I, I got jumped up. <laughs> I jumped up and there was a fresh, and it wasn't a slash, like a deep cut, a fresh scratch across my stomach. Kate! Honestly, <laughs> no I... No wonder you fucking hate Paranormal <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be watching it again with fresh eyes Stop. like this literally happened. So ran through to my pal Lois, like, it was like, like look, 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 because we'd been, you know, it was hard that my, my flatmate would, checked all the match the fresh cut and it never happened again after that <sighs> and there was never ever an explanation however the only explanation was my life got a bit better after that so part of me is like was I literally having out of body experiences and doing that to myself there's no way I mean these were precise exactly the same size and in a strange straight line down my thumb really weird why that but actually and nothing there but I did have a fresh cut it was bizarre my my arms were lying because I know they were at my side because I was doing that whole I can't sleep at three in the morning trying to make my body go to sleep starting with the feet going up my legs you know arms back so I know I wasn't touching my body when that happened and I have no explanation I don't know what it was about I don't know why 
Yes, that's <laughs> that's phenomenal. I, I'm, can I nick that for the screenplay? I'm can, yes, <laughs> like I'm writing a horror at the moment. So it's a really that. bizarre little story that I haven't really told much because I don't and then someone will say have you ever heard and I'll be like oh my god yeah, yeah. I did I did have that's this really strange I like, absolutely love it, love it. <laughs> but it's so random and there's no like it's ending so really spooky. it just stopped it's so and spooky. I had those see I think though if that stopped like that one across your middle has, al- has almost been like that's been the last it one and really got rid of weird. whatever and the it middle was. one the one across oh. my stomach was very light like a scratch but see the thumb ones I had scars from them for months they were deep incisions but tiny tiny little ones in a straight line did anybody else in the flat have anything no just me and I would show my pal each day look more more what are you doing to yourself I don't know this is weird and I couldn't see anything in my room that I could even make these yeah. marks you know there was no that's some serious okay, paranormal activity stuff so weird so weird and from someone who worried about that because I grew up in the gardener like a couple of gardeners cottages in a country estates and the first one in Perthshire was attached to there was a kind of big garage and then there was the old stables and there were so many stories we'd hear like footsteps creaking and all that but I think that was all in my head and me you know being like really young and believing what they were telling me but that thing was so random and I wasn't like yeah it just was so random and unexplained that is the perfect spooky season podcast story. <laughs> really I absolutely like, love I it. Like, I was going to ask, like, a last question about what was your favourite scary movie that you've made, but I actually, know, I don't think we need to, like... That's literally what my other question <laughs> is. I'm like, yeah. no, oh, this is where we're God. finishing it. I know, it's really hard. Another little story I have, actually, they scared me in Prometheus on purpose. So oh, Ridley played they? a trick in me in Prometheus. So there's Not a bit spiders, in... There's a bit in Prometheus where a thing leaps out of Sean Harris's mouth, this long snake thing. And my character is the doctor. Uh, and uh, I was to be over, I was to be over, you know, with my bag and, you know, he's not well or that. So they readily played a trick where he, obviously I'd read the script and that, but I didn't know what was happening in the scene. Presumed it was going to be CGI or something. Ridley had a whole fucking snake worm thing made a whole trap thing and it was all in Sean Harrison's mouth and I was to go up and you know give my line about the esophagus or something about the esophagus and peer in I'm oh, so, so, and this thing they had it on a, a string or whatever this thing leapt from Sean Harrison's mouth as I turned on my heels and just ran away just ran through all the things and ran kind of basically ran off set and Ridley was like perfect <laughs> that's tremendous and you know you've just triggered my wee geek brain because I, I don't know if you know this but I'm a massive massive movie buff I have another podcast that I do with a mate about uh, about movies and Alien and that oh, whole franchise really? is one of my favourites oh wow he did that in the first one he didn't did tell he? the cast when you know the famous scene I don't know if you know oh, if you haven't seen it well no uh, I've seen Alien <laughs> because yeah. that was in the days I was trying to keep up my pals and pretended <laughs> you know that I liked horrors I've seen Alien so the Jesus. scene when um, John Hurt oh my deck, god flashing yeah. about he hadn't told the cast what was going to come out of his chest they didn't know <gasps> 
Um, oh. And the, I oh God, that's a shit. I can't remember the actress's name. The blonde actress who's in it. She's the one that gets the blood spattered on her, and she's it's completely real. She, reaction. Didn't, know. she didn't know it was coming. Oh, he's and so clever. <laughs> he's a he's a mitten, isn't he? <laughs> he's a mitten because honestly, it was just brilliant because that's that's a fun thing. So that was a fun thing to like. like I actually yeah. did get a fright. That was one of the things I but did that's get so a cool. fright. Okay, so that's like Alien, the very first groundbreaking, <laughs> right through to you having the experience of Prometheus. I'm like, that's amazing. Louise's <laughs> wee thread getting pulled there for you. Louise's wee movie, Geek Brains, like loving it. And I have been in lots of horrors, actually, and it's hard to choose favourites when you love them all. I mean, Matriarch, which won't be for everyone in Hulu, but that... Yeah, that character and that. She's... I mean, I do love that it's on Hulu in the US and then it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does. It does feel a little weird. Like, it's every really, time, like you click like, on Disney Plus this week and it's like Hocus Pocus 2, then it it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, and then it's like the Muppets Haunted House. And then it's you. And then it's you. It's your face. Oh, not With like up. some black stuff. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Really no, funny. she was. But she was wild to play because she's a true like narcissistic psychopath with no conscience so oh, no. really interesting playing someone who just didn't care about anyone <laughs> yeah. but herself do you know what I mean because normally as a character or as a person you're worrying about other people and you're doing things to please and all the things we've been talking about and Celia's just not like that she's just all out for herself so um, yeah and that was quite fun to explore and, and I, yeah I would dive into yeah it. Uh, yeah and it sort yeah. of like feels like so polar opposite yeah so it's like yeah, yeah. That, we've kind of I've said this with a couple of guests recently um about the fun that horror allows you to have as a I as was going to say it's so much fun I mean there's lots of serious layers to that actually mm-hmm. with trauma to do with how I treated my daughter in the mm-hmm. past and how she is now but actually some of the things I had to physically do in that film, you know, if, uh, and I don't want to give too much away, mm. are, like, I would be howling because I was like, <laughs> I can't. No, she literally cannot be doing There's a bit where I'm dragging her unconscious down the stairs just by her ankles, obviously, not Laura. Uh, <laughs> and her head's like, dung, 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 off every step. And I'm just, you know, and you're like, t- for a human, she's just yeah. a turn daughter do you know what I mean doesn't care has you know some in mind that I need to do I don't care about her but it's so weird playing someone who doesn't care about anyone but themselves it's just bizarre because you don't play psychopaths yeah a lot you met you play a lot of people who have got a lot of damage and trauma and Mm. terrible things but you don't play a lot of psychopaths i tried to do research i had to stop reading the book the secret diary of a diary of a secret psychopath or something or sociopath i can't remember what it's called it's a lawyer woman who's a secret psychopath sociopath oh god but actually then it's so disturbing the way our mm. mind worked Works. that I had to put the book down because it just unsettles me yeah, so much yeah. to have no empathy is That's so yeah. opposite to us yeah. as storytellers and actors it, it disturbs me mm-hmm. extremely mm. that's what really frightens me is people that don't have empathy 
oh, the Tory party. See, I got another <laughs> one. <laughs> yes, the biggest it. horror <laughs> film in the world. Eh? Yeah, it's it's just horror. Living it. But you know that lack of empathy. That's what's really frightening mm. uh, and very unsettling to play. Because your instincts to feel bad about doing yeah. bad shit, you know. So that was fun. Cause yes. was, <laughs> yeah, it was fun just playing someone who's just like, yeah. Kate well, Dickey. Thank Kate you. Dickey. Sorry, yapping again. Oh, my God. We all, oh, oh, yapping, I'm, I'm, yapping, I'm like aware that we're like, like, keeping you for so long. No, I'm, like, I'm oh. just aware that I've yapped on and on and on Not again. You are, are you joking? an absolute joy. Like, it's oh, I love talking to you place. too. It's great. And it just feels like, well, it is talking to two pals, but also <laughs> I think the way your podcast is, is a real, real freedom of speech. You know, and the fact that you don't... I don't have to mind my P's accused too much. <laughs> Not at all. And it's just... I don't know. I think you get to the kind of nuggets of things, but it's... You know, I, I just think you do it really well, your Aww. your podcast. It's Thank a real you. pleasure Thanks. to be part of it. Thank, Thank you so great. much. Thank you for having me Maybe even check the workbox because we promoted Matriarch. And we did. Which is out yes. now on Disney oh, Plus. Out Thank now you. on Disney Plus in the, Plus in the UK and, and Hulu. Hulu in the US. Yes. Super profesh. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, lovely listeners, stay, stay nasty. nasty.